0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver?
0: 18
2: plus Pittsburgh Steeler fans what's going on this is Jeff Hartman senior editor behind the with you for another episode of the Steelers preview I feel like this is the longest running podcast on the network now, but nonetheless, the Steelers preview is back to preview the Steelers and Green Bay Packers at historic Lambeau Field in week four. And joining me as always to talk about the upcoming game is Dave Schofield, the editor of BTSC. What's up, Dave? How's it um, going, Jeff? It's going great. It's just good freaking freaking I'm, phenomenal.
3: I'm I'm tired.
2: <laughs> we all are. And the other the other part of the other wheel of the tricycle is Brian Anthony Davis. What's up, Brian? It is not the frozen tundra of Lambeau
0: Field this weekend, but it's something. <laughs> I love old Sean Facenda stuff. It's I. I wanted him to. Uh, I actually wanted him to narrate my sex tape, but he died um, before I could do it. So, <laughs> and I can't get anybody to do a tape with me. So, uh, with that being said, you know what? I'm down. Of course, we're all down. But you know what? Not only are we down, we're down. But here's the thing: I'm feeling it. I'm I'm actually feeling it this week. I'm ready to write the ship. I'm thinking of we're gonna party like it's 1989. And if you think about 1989, you gotta think about this: the Steelers lost to the Browns 51-nothing to start that year at home. Then the next day. The next week, actually, they went to Cincinnati to play the Bengals and lost 42 to 10. And everyone's like, ah, it's over. It's over and that. But you know what? It wasn't over. They went to the playoffs. And what did they do in week three? They, a huge team came in. The Minnesota Vikings from the north. They came in. To Heinz field. I know we're not going to not, they didn't come to Heinz fields, three river stadium, but you know what happened? So they come to play the Steelers and the Steelers knocked them down. So I'm thinking there's some crazy redemption in here. And Seattle does have two losses on man. <laughs> and that's $2. Thanks for the tip jar. But you know what? I'm fired up and I'm feeling good. So all of you guys that are Dan, get on up. Is that there a is dog? You. Is there a dog on your desk? Oh yeah. We, <laughs> so we've got a rescue dog, and the rescue dog <laughs> is attacking the uh, Hermione and Luna, the little dachshunds, and so they're scared. So they have to hang out with me at all times. I didn't realize she got in camera, so I do apologize for showing my wiener.
3: I <laughs> no. uh, was trying oh, Keep your wiener off the screen. Let's, We've gone let's from
2: sex tape to wieners, and we're less than three minutes in here. So, uh, all right, I don't even know what to say to that. Hey, um, Gay, okay, how about this? Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was fine. I'm in a great mood. I just finished recording. Let's ride. I'm an optimist. I'm not a yeah. pessimist here. Okay, yeah. um, let's uh, let's talk. I want to talk about a game. From 2009, and it was the last regular season game that Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger uh, went head to head. What do you remember most about that game? Because that was a memorable one, Dave. I'm sure you remember what was the what was the, the one thing you remember most?
3: The, the last play of the game. How do you? That's the most memorable thing of that game.
2: But it is the most memorable. I remember the yeah. way it started. Mike Wallace bomb touchdown. Like it was like right off the bat. These these two quarterbacks were just slinging the rock. Around Heinz Field. And what did Ben throw for over? He threw for over 400, didn't he? Hold on, over can, five. Oh, did he go over five? Is that his first in that time, one? That one? I can. He had
3: 503, I, you know,
0: I believe. I'm um, not mistaken, he had 503. Hold you on. You got look that, at the. And that
2: one
3: was the. Yes, he had 503.
2: Exactly. Holy cow. What did Aaron Rodgers throw for? Because he threw oh, for. Hold a on. Lot I have
3: that too. Aaron Rodgers in that one. Oh, hold on. That's the wrong game. He threw for 383.
2: Oh. Yeah. Jeez, that's crazy.
0: That what was a game. A, I, I remember that game. Well, I remember where we ate before that game. I remember being all excited. I remember the fact that my daughter was not very old during that game because she was born in 2009. And my wife went to bed, and I was supposed to get the my daughter to sleep. And I finally got her to sleep. And then I cheered and went crazy and woke her up, and she's screaming. And my wife's coming out, what is going on? And I'm like, the Steelers won. <laughs> <She> was like, <laughs> that was no consolation to nah. a very tired mom.
2: No, I, I remember where I was. I was at a friend's house. Uh, my friend that passed away from ALS. I've referenced him a lot on my let's ride podcast. He was watching at his house and it was snowing here in Maryland. And I was like, Oh man, if we could just have a snow day tomorrow. Cause after, <laughs> as a teacher, man, if we could just, we had a snow day the next day we had it off and I was just on cloud nine. That was such a great game. Um, And then I don't want to reference the other time that the two quarterbacks met, but it's hard to believe that this is only the third meeting between Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers because it seems like every time the Steelers and Packers played, Aaron Rodgers was always hurt. Who was it? Uh, Matt Flynn was the quarterback the last time the Steelers were in Lambeau. Uh, And that was when Troy Troy Palomalo team picked Mm up the uh, fumble fumble and uh, raced down the field, I believe, for a score. And 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 that... that was the Sunday before Christmas also. Huh? There you go. There you go. And then uh, who was it? Brett Hundley last time they played Green Bay in Pittsburgh. Yep. And that was in 2017. That was the last second Chris Boswell field goal, I believe, to win that yes, one.
3: It was. That was one that you thought that the Steelers should have. I mean, I think they were pretty heavily favored in that one. Yes.
2: Yeah, if you bet I, the Steelers did cover, they did not. <laughs> they yeah. did not. So, okay, so a little bit of recent history there for you about the Steelers and the, the Green Bay Packers. Um, I want to get things started off with news. So, Dave, the injury report is kind of all over the place. Why don't we run yeah. over the injury report first, talk about some of these banged-up players and what that might mean for the Steelers this Sunday.
3: Okay, so let's start with the Steelers. Let's go with um, the did-not-play players um, on Thursday. One, um, There are two players that have not practiced at all this week, that would be Carlos Davis. Um, you're starting to look like, man, they should have just put that guy on IR before week two because he's. it, it looks like he's going to miss his third straight game. So it wouldn't have mattered, if you know what I mean. But I don't know if they knew it at the time or not. Uh, the other one was Chukzakorfor did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. He's not Guys, playing. he's not playing. No. Because in order to get through the protocol, you have to do physical activities. You have to practice at least in the limited capacity in order to move through stuff. There's no way after not practicing for 2 days. I'm not saying there's it's impossible because I don't I don't know the exact protocol, but from everything that I've seen with the protocol in the past, if you're not practicing on Thursday, I mean, maybe there's a chance if you practice on Friday, but most it, there's a he's not playing. He's no, not playing. I'm not. Yeah, he's not playing. Um, Some, some Steelers fans might be pretty happy about that. And then Rashad Coward did not practice on Thursday either. He was limited on Wednesday. I actually said this to Jeff. I'm like, if he's limited on Wednesday, it's because he got hurt during practice on Wednesday because he didn't even, he wasn't even active on Sunday. So, and wasn't on the injury report last week. So the reason he was probably limited on Wednesday is he got hurt in practice and then couldn't practice today. Um, the, the good news of the full participants, the three players that were that were on the injury report that were back as full. Ben Roethlisberger after missing Wednesday due to a pectoral injury, which we all know is basically his coach's day off anyway. Um, so he was back. So that doesn't seem like that's going to be a problem. Deontay Johnson went from limited to full um, from Wednesday to Thursday. So that's, that's a great progression for him upgrade. as well.
2: Upgrade. <laughs> as
3: well as the big one. One Trent Jordan Watts went from limited on Wednesday to full on Thursday. Then you have um, Juju, who progressed, upgraded from didn't practice Wednesday to limited Thursday. The the key is going to see if he's full tomorrow to see if he's good to go. And Alex Highsmith, limited, limited. So at least he's getting out there, uh, which he didn't do last week. But we'll have to see how it goes tomorrow if he's going to be able to go.
2: Did you mention the new edition? Oh, and
3: that's right, the new edition. Okay. Um, every time I want to, every time you say that, I want to bust into song when you say new edition. So <laughs> if it is it love, why do, sorry. Um, and that Wait, would be Dave, one... Dave,
0: Dave, Dave Wait, come, come on with the singing.
3: <laughs> cool it now. Sorry. <laughs>
0: yeah. <funny>. Um,
3: <laughs> I know, that's really bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I better cool it now. Ooh, watch out. Okay. Um, Chase Claypool, hamstring, limited on Thursday. Not You're going to lose control. I'm going to lose control. Sorry, I'm done.
2: So Chase Claypool was limited, was you said, hamstring injury. Yes. That's interesting. So okay.
3: the fact that he didn't practice yesterday, that has to tell you that that was probably something done in practice. You don't know the extent of it because, you know, you say, oh, well, at least he was limited. Well, He's if he went out and started practicing and then got hurt and couldn't do anything else, he goes down as limited. So tomorrow, that's going to be a real interesting one to look at.
2: Yes, and uh, key injuries on the other side of the uh, field for the on the other
3: side of the field. Okay, I had that here and it went away. I got to find it again because that there was a new one there today as well.
2: Yes, and and that was
3: running back.
2: AJ Dylan. Dylan.
3: Oh no, no. Well, both Dylan and Jones are both limited. Right. So um I don't I can't remember. I only have today's report. I don't know which one was
2: new or which one wasn't.
3: Um Jones they, has
2: been Jones has been on all week.
3: Okay, that's okay. That's what I couldn't remember which one was which. Um then you've got the Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, wide receiver, he didn't practice either day this week. Um, you've got a cornerback mm. with a concussion. I don't know where he is on the depth chart. You have a guard who didn't practice. Who um, Jenkins um, that didn't practice. I, I. Other than that, the big thing that stands out is the two running backs and the wide receiver.
2: Yeah. All right, Brian. Outside of TJ Watt, we know that's the one everyone's looking at. What injury is one do that you it's most important for you going into this game?
0: You know what? It's really funny because when would have we ever thought that people would be saying, hey, Joe Haig might start and get really excited about it. And that might be something that you're looking at this week because I mean, I don't expect Zach Banner to we don't even know if he's back because they've they've three weeks to put him on the roster. Um, But you wouldn't think he would step in right away anyways. So this has got to be Joe Haig starting if Chooks can't go, and it, like Dave was saying, he's probably not going to go. So that's that's probably significant. There's a lot of people, like D- Dave said that, there might be some people happy about this. he never cheer for an injury, of course, but I'm anxious to see what Joe Haig can do because he's kind of like a backup quarterback where everybody loves him right now since he hasn't had a chance to play. Now that he has a chance to play, you're either going to love him right now, he's going to come in and do well, or he's going to be... To quote Dave Schofield and Danny Green, he is who we thought he was.
2: <laughs> now, Dave, wasn't he like the highest-rated run blocker PFF for the preseason or something like that?
3: Um, yeah, for the uh, for the preseason, I got. I had to go back and look that up again to remember what that was. I, I, I remember he had like a,
2: a good run blocking score or something like that.
3: Yeah, he did. He he was he had one of the better. Better scores on the Steelers' offensive line, and early in the early in the preseason, he had the best score in the NFL. Now it, he didn't; I don't think he finished the preseason that way, but um, he did all right. I mean, for the Steelers, he had the third highest PFF score this past week in the 33 snaps that he played, um, only behind you know Trey Turner was actually the top scorer on PFF for the Steelers on offense, and then Cody White and his nine snaps was second. But, but Joe Hag once, uh, but believe it or not, it was his, it's funny, it was his pass blocking score that was better because Joe Hag played 33 snaps. He only had one snap where he was run blocking.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I was surprised there was one.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was one snap when he ran, when he was run blocking this past week. Now, but, but like we said, we don't know if it's Joe Hag. We don't know if it's Zach Banner. I know a lot of people are hopeful for that. I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket or the other because you really, I think if Banner's back – to me, if Banner's back on the roster, I think he starts. If he goes back on the active roster, because he's not. He is still on injured reserve. He's just started the 21-day process. So the Steelers would have to make a roster move with him by 4 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah. So we we don't know, but it's – Looks like it's gonna be one of those two, and if Banner's not put on the roster, then I'm thinking you've got to elevate Traz Green from the yes. practice squad,
2: and that would be logical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
3: because you might want to have a third tackle for a game. It,
2: yeah, it be might logical. be might be. I mean, unless and, I mean, they big could press, say in, press well, could slide in.
3: well, but they also say in a pinch, Coward could play tackle, who's normally a guard, but he hasn't played. He's put, hurt. These he, hurt. So they're gonna they're looking that they might be down two linemen for this one
2: yeah i just hope groin watch is over that's all yeah, but dave any watch. what what injury are you looking at other than tj watt that you're like oh man what are you <laughs> at? Right.
3: Gro- groin watch <laughs> i'm just picturing all the steelers with groin <laughs> injuries running on the beach in slow motion <laughs> it's groin watch um, <laughs> no, it's groin watch 2021 oh, what are we doing tonight what, what is david
0: Hassel? okay yes
3: <laughs> germans <laughs> love <it, right? laughs> <laughs> the Germans love a good strudel yeah here we go what was the question <laughs> something about a groin injury I don't know we're
2: freaking slap you tonight groin. <laughs> groin. um it is a what rather than yeah I okay. want to I
3: mean I think Highsmith and Juju were the main ones to watch Juju at least was progressing you know it's funny because you say well Highsmith practiced more this week than what Juju has because Juju was didn't practice and then limited. Highsmith was limited. limited. The thing was exactly what you said, Jeff. They were elevating or whatever, whatever term you used.
2: Upgrading. Upgrading. There we go. They were <laughs> because upgrading. Because you're downgraded. Yes. You're yes. upgrading. <laughs> yeah. So,
3: so Juju was upgraded so far in the week where Highsmith was holding steady. But th- those are the two main ones I'm the most concerned about because I'm already assuming that. You know, people that were practicing fully today. I'm I'm thinking that that they're probably good for Sunday.
2: Yeah, I, I think that to me, if if Highsmith could, even if he's not like, hey, coach, I'm going to be able to go, but I, I got to we got to limit my snaps. He'll, then if Trent Jordan is fine and Melvin Ingram's fine, then they'll be fine. Because even if Highsmith just comes in and spells them for one or two plays, mm-hmm. that'll be they that'll be the pass rush that we've been waiting to see since Buffalo or the first quarter of Las Vegas. So uh, they need that back in a big way. Let's go to the main talking point of this podcast, and that is reasons for hope. I, I decided to throw this out there, and we ran with it for the podcast title tonight. All these Steeler fans are so down in the dumps, and right now the, the Jaguars are beating Cincinnati 14 nothing, and everyone's all oh, comparing this and comparing that, well, whatever. You know, I'm not down in the dumps. Uh, but then again, I'm I'm an optimistic guy, but let's think about, let's give some listeners out there some reasons that fans should have a little bit of hope. It might not be like this glaring ray of sunshine, but just a glimmer, a little bit of hope. Brian, we'll start with you. What's one reason why the Steelers fan base should be a little bit hopeful?
0: Well, you guys were just talking about it. One TJ Watt. And you know what? He's coming home to Wisconsin. He's going to be fired up to be playing there. He looks like he's healthy and he changes things for that defense. He really, I mean, we were talking in the last couple of weeks about having a guy that could put the team on their shoulders. I think TJ Watt is one of those guys, along with Cam Hayward, but TJ Watt could definitely put the defense on his shoulders quite a bit. And, you know, it's... It might be crazy, and we'll never know because this is ifs and buts, but if he's healthy in that Raiders game in that second half and if he's in that uh, Cincinnati game, everything changes. not saying they win, but everything changes, and they have an opportunity to get to the passer more. So I am going to say that that is a huge ray of sunshine, and I'm looking, just like Rod Stewart, I'm looking for
2: a reason to believe. There you go. Dave, what about you? What reason do you have for being a little bit hopeful this Sunday?
3: Well, perhaps maybe the Steelers just play better on the road. Perhaps maybe the Steelers play better when they're the underdog. I don't know. So far when they've been on the road and they've been underdogs this season, we were pretty happy with that result. You know, then if you're getting your players back healthy. But honestly, some of the biggest concerns with this team, I know a lot of people are concerned with the quarterback play but a lot of people are also concerned with the offensive line play. The offensive line play is something that you should be hoping is going to improve as the season goes on. So with each week that comes, you're like, is this the week they're going to make a jump? Is this the week they're going to make a jump? So you can be hopeful for that. Now I can't say the same thing for the quarterback play, but I just think, you know, is it a trend or is it just sporadic? You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, It it is what it is. But there's – if this defense can get back to what they can do and if this team can kind of realize that, hey, we're not supposed to get trounced by this team, we need to go out here and show what we can do, then let's see what happens. But I'm also going to say a disclaimer because I said this on Tuesday night. The Steelers don't have to win this game to show marked improvement. And you're like, oh, but if they lose this game and they go to one and three, you know what? The 2015 Steelers, if they would have started one and three, they would have made the postseason. But they started zero and four, and therefore they didn't. You know, there's always a lot more season left to go, so it's more. I mean, would you rather start uh, one and three and then actually, but actually have something to build on, or would you or be one of those teams that we've seen in the past that have started three and one or four and oh And then all of a sudden all their injuries pile up right then. And they just can't get anything going for the rest of the season. It's all about moving on week to week.
2: I think I I said more than enough. (laughs) I agree with you. I'm going to ask you all a question before I give my reason for hope. When was the last time you saw a Steelers team play that poorly and I think I know what game you're going to point to from 2020 that played that poorly that we saw on Sunday at Heinz Field. When was the last time you saw that much ineptitude? Ryan,
3: you want to go first?
2: Well, yeah, I can go first. I mean,
0: well, we saw it in a a few years. We've, We've seen it actually a lot, but of course I thought the poor play that I'm going to talk about was definitely in that playoff game. And that's, that's if you're talking about the first half, I mean, they kept on trying to come back and they they put up the points, but Cleveland wasn't allowing that. But in the same vein, I'd like to go all the way back to 2013 because Dave just sparked something in me when he said that. I thought that team, the first four weeks of the season was worse than this team. That team was in disarray. They lost Pouncey. They lost... um. They they lost uh, a linebacker. I believe it was Larry Foot. That's why uh, Vince Williams came in. But those first four games, including the last one, in uh, the last one that you had in England to lose to go to zero and four against the Vikings, that was terrible. I mean, I thought this team was actually worse than what this team was. Is yeah,
2: yeah. That's good, Dave. What about you?
3: Well, I know some people in the live chat when I actually looked for a second were saying, you know, how about Cincinnati last year? Yeah, but in that Cincinnati game last year, the Steelers weren't really out of that game. I, I might be getting it confused with the game with the football team, but they were winning it more than anything, but maybe they weren't. But I know against, again, they're running together. The ones that stand out to me more than anything is, we could all mention, the, the you know, the, 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 the infamous helmet swinging game of 2019. Okay. Um, was pretty bad, but really the one that I would go back to more than anything is 2019 week one in the 33 to three trouncing in new England. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was just, that was just, you were like, wow. Is there anything that you can build on with this team other than to say that they're playing a team that must be the best thing that's ever happened? Because if not, then they're really in trouble.
2: So my point is, is that you know you could point to the entire 2019 season, really yeah. after Ben goes down. And what you found is that even as bad as it was at times, they were still able to find ways to win with Devlin Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph and say what you want about the competition and all this stuff and the defense, whatever. That defense is eerily similar to the one they have this year. I'm a firm believer, if you want hope, is that this defense, if they can stay healthy, and that's a big if, I understand that, They're going to be in every single game that they play every game. I don't care who this Sunday, if that defense is healthy, they'll be in the game. Not saying they're going to win the game, but they're going to be in the game. And then I say to myself on the other side of the coin is the offense. It's, I don't feel like it's always going to be this bad. They're going to have improvement The offensive line might not be a top 10 unit by the end of the year, but they're going to improve. They're going to improve in the running game. They're going to improve finding new ways to move the football. I think that's part of the maturation process. Um, I I think that's where fans should find hope is a defense that is really, really good when healthy and an offense that should be improving. I believe it a hundred percent. Dave, you look like you want to say something.
3: Yeah, I do. (laughs) You remember in two thousand nine, you know, we Ben Roethlisberger went out. Mason Rudolph came in. Didn't Two thousand nineteen, you mean? That's what I say. say two thousand Yeah. Nineteen. I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. Mason Rudolph was like in middle he, school, I think. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> if that.
3: Okay. Mason Rudolph comes in, you know, and he plays somewhat admirably against the 49ers, but they lose in San Francisco. Gosh, they were gifted you know?
2: the they were gifted the ball at the beginning of the game. Yep.
3: Um. Then you had, you know, they beat up on the Bengals pretty good. Then you had that Ravens game where he gets knocked out. Literally. And notice the problem after that. A lot of people were saying he just doesn't seem comfortable. He just doesn't seem confident. He just, you know, it seems like he's going to try to rush the ball that he might not, you know, is he willing to take the hit? Did you kind of feel a little bit like that again all this past Sunday with Ben Roethlisberger? Like, you know, well, KT Smith talked about, you know, that's like what I was
2: going to say that, you know, he wrote that, that in the article. Yeah.
3: It, I mean, but what, what was that kind of a similar feel to you guys? That's kind of when I look back and cause I've gone back and I've watched the whole game, but I watched certain parts where I wanted to find certain things. There were certain things I did not want to watch again. Um, And that's how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm like, I, I broke down on stat geek this morning the first offensive play that the Steelers ran of the second half. And the reason I did that is because they finally ran the personnel grouping that I've been wanting to see from them, where they had two running backs, two tight ends, and Chase Claypool. The only thing that they did different that I wanted to call one is that they had Gentry instead of Ebron, but it didn't matter. And when, and when the defense went big, they spread them wide. And you know what? Ben Roethlisberger, he had a good, clean pocket, and he threw it real fast anyway. You know, it's because he. It's like even when he has it, he doesn't necessarily feel like he should. If you know what I mean, so people were like, uh, you know, I almost felt like Ben was uncomfortable in the pocket. So
2: I, I think that you know Steeler Chick Forty Six says this in the live chat. I heard Todd Haley on the Pat McAfee show, and they were asking about it. And he said you can tell that Ben doesn't trust the offensive line to hold up. He's got the happy feet and he's looking around and he's wondering where the pass rush is coming. And it's, it's a recipe for disaster until he feels like he can actually trust the line, which my next question is, i ask Brian this, what is it going to take for him to trust the offensive line? It, it, a no sack game. I mean, is it just like, what is it going to take Is there anything tangible that we can actually say? Ah, there it is. You know, there actually is, and it's simply, I, I like how you said a
0: no sack game, but if he could be clean and he actually, this is actually going to help Ben Roethlisberger too. If he sees them run blocking more as well, because he's going to be able to change his game and not feel like he's going to pass all the time. If the run blocking gets better too, that sounds crazy. Cause why would, why, uh, you would think that, Oh, he just needs to be clean and not running for his life. But if he could have Najee going between the tackles and not have to throw to him 19 times a game, then you change everything that what you do, all of a sudden you get your play action in there. You get that back. All of a sudden you are relying on getting four or five yards per carry possibly instead of the 2.8. And then everything changes because you're not passing the football. So yeah, I think he can trust the line with just a good game, a solid game on both both aspects of the offense.
2: Dave, you were an offensive line coach and you play the line. How many? How much of these issues on the line are Kendra Green, in your opinion? Let's be blunt.
3: Whew, um, there's times when Kendra Green looks really bad. I mean, there was a play that was floating around out there where he just he where who's on the right side of him? Trey Turner. Trey yeah. Turner goes to pool. He's supposed to, you know, go over to block Trey Turner's guy. And where he expected him to be, he was cutting hard back against green and went right in front of his face and was basically not touched and comes through and blows up the play. And it was like one of those oh crap moments. You know what I'm saying? That that guy just totally just dusted me because I I thought he didn't know what was coming and really I didn't know what was coming. So he's getting some of those, those real teachable moments. If you know what I mean, there is, it's with him, it's not usually a lack of desire or drive or fire. If you know what I mean, it's more, you know, making sure that he's understands the assignment and not taking things for granted, things like that. But I, to say that it's not Kendrick Green would be foolish, but to say it's all Kendrick Green would say that w- would also be as well. They aren't working well as a unit, and when when three guys make a really nice block and two guys don't, it goes down as a really sucky play because they're just not all having it all together at the
2: same time. Gosh, I hate hearing that about Green because I want him mm-hmm. to play well. And Do you think Hassenauer and or Andor Finney would be a better option?
3: I don't know that they would be better either. I've always said I thought Finney was better at guard. Yeah. Um, and I was glad to see him play well in the preseason, Finney, because I was worried about him coming back after not playing at all last year and everything. So that so that's encouraging. Hasenauer pl- only played, I think, like nine snaps or something, but he played pretty well on those. But I don't know that they have a great option there, no matter what. And for those people... That, have, that are talking about centers or tackles, and they need to go sign someone. Do you realize how long it would take to get them up to speed? You don't sign someone on Monday. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick was a huge exception. And that was them just saying, you go back, you play, you just play single, you know, single high safety, and we'll kind of do everything around you. You know, you can't do that with an offensive lineman to come in and work with other people. I mean, if if you bring someone in, it's going to take weeks for them to be ready. I mean, look, Trey Turner came in after after minicamp, and he barely was ready by the start of the regular season. And that's a five-time Pro Bowler. So it would take too much for people that are saying, you got to go sign a lineman. It's going to take a long time to get them up to speed. They're not going to help you right away. Now the only question is if you know it's going to be that bad in five weeks from now that you still need to have them there to be ready for it when they when they're ready.
2: Brian, gonna chime in. Unmute mm-hmm. yourself first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and to Dave's point.